This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the inspirational, informational, and transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Many times I'm asked how to survive initial training at an airline. Well, I tell you, there, there's a lot of tricks, and it uh, takes a lot of fortitude to get through that. But to help me answer that question today, I have with me an airline simulator instructor and new co-host to the podcast, Justin Ash. But before we begin, we've got a few announcements. First of all, AviationCareersPodcast.com courses. You can find the Scholarships Guide, Career Coaching, the Pilot Jobs Book. We also have monthly membership, which includes the Jobs Book, Advanced Guide to Holding Patterns, the Practical Guide to Winter Flying, and various webinars. So visit us at AviationCareersPodcast.com slash courses to discover more. Also, if you've signed up for the Scholarships Guide before, that's actually your best bet if you want to find the scholarships and all the other courses you've signed up for, because it links to a separate website where we have all of our courses located. The current version of the Scholarships Guide, actually that's going to be uh, August 29th, 2018. The online Scholarships Guide is actually in a PDF format, and you can obtain it if you purchase the book from one of the online retailers by sending us your e-receipt, your electronic receipt. You'll then get access for one year to the Scholarships Guide from date of purchase on that receipt. A lot of people ask us if there's a PDF version of the Scholarships Guide, and yes, there is. That's the normal version when you do get the online scholarships guide. So anyway, this is uh, really, we're super excited, by the way. I forgot one more thing about the scholarships guide. We um, just added someone else to help us with the scholarships guide, and they're going to be working on this and putting more scholarships in there and also editing the ones that are out there. Because when you're you're going through the scholarships guide, there's so many out there, and they change all the time. So that person is going to be working a little harder on that. Thank God we have a lot more people purchasing it, which enables us to put money back in to hire more people to keep them up to date. So uh, send us more feedback about the scholarships guide. We really are enjoying that. Also, for those listeners of our General Aviation Podcast, and don't forget our General Aviation Podcast has a lot of information that you can actually use as an airline pilot because a lot of it's about instrument flying and, and you know, flying in general. So uh, we actually started uploading videos to Stuck Mike Avcast YouTube channel again. Remember, we've had that for a while, but we really haven't done much with it. Uh, we're starting some short videos to include visits at different aviation attractions and venues while I'm on the road traveling and also some of our co-hosts are on the road traveling. And i uh, got a couple new devices and new toys as far as video is concerned. Uh, so we're going to actually think about doing some of our podcasts on on YouTube, but only the podcasts that have really technical information. Like, you notice that sometimes we're talking and we, we're talking about a chart. Well, we're going to start putting that on there. I know we've talked about enhanced video feed, but it seems that most people look at YouTube uh, to discover these items. And we'll actually uh, put those out there, get the feedback, and see what you think about it. To find it, it's youtube.com slash Stuck Mike Avcast. So check that out. I really appreciate it. And I'd love to get your feedback. Let me know what you would like to see. And uh, and I'm just doing short, like, five-minute videos every place I visit. Just give you one thing about that 
that place that would actually be something new you may not know. For instance, I was at uh, Lakeland the other day. Oh, heck, go watch the video and you can find out something unique about uh, Lakeland and the campus there. Anyway, let's move on to the topic today, which is really important, and that's that's surviving your initial airline training. And one of the things that I found is there, and I've been through a lot of initial training. I've been through a whole bunch of them because of 9-11. I got furloughed, moved to different airlines. But one person that's actually in the training department and sees this every day and sees people that are successful in the training is Justin Ash. And uh, Justin, I, I really think this was a great idea for you putting this together. And I really appreciate you doing this. So anyway, Justin, tell us a, a little bit about, uh, uh, and, and welcome back to the podcast, and tell us a little bit about surviving your initial flight training. Well, thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's, um, you know, initial flight training can be intimidating for people coming in, especially if they're coming into their first major airline training event, uh, maybe coming from corporate or the military, especially and they don't have that experience with those events. So I wanted to talk a little bit today about what I've seen being um, an eight, what we call an ATFI or airline transport flight instructor. And what I've seen, cause I've, you know, I've uh, been able to teach at a couple different airlines now and um, things of that nature. So it's, it's really helped me kind of watch people come in and what they struggle with a little bit more um, and how they can overcome that stuff. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. So an ATFI, that was uh, something, the uh, airline transport flight instructor, that's something that we, uh, that's a new term. We didn't actually define it last time. And this doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a CFI. We did mention that before, uh, but an airline transport flight instructor actually, actually has to go through training with each airline. So that's as an aside, but uh, it's something that's, uh, yeah, you have to make a big commitment to uh, because there's not just a regular training, but you also have to become a flight instructor with the airline. So hats off to you uh, and Justin for all the different things that you do and have done in the past. Uh, and, and in addition, uh, just to let you know, he, he also is a CSIP as a, a Cirrus uh, certified instructor pilot. Uh, and I forget how, how, what that term means, but uh, I just know that you have gone through a lot of training for that. That's for sure. Um, but anyway, back to yeah, that. Yeah, it, it was the TCI. So oh, you have it. the CSIP and then I was a TCI, which is a training center instructor. I taught in the Cirrus for a little bit. Just wanted to clarify because there's the, the CSIPs are, um, it's a little bit of a differentiation and those CSIPs, they go through a lot of training themselves, but they actually go through it at Cirrus. I did mine through a training center. So gotcha. Okay. Well, thanks for clarifying. But anyway, he knows a lot about the Cirrus and, uh, he's going to teach me a lot more about it too, because we're going to go flying anyway, enough fun there. The, uh, getting back to our training scenario though, one of the things that's important to survive your airline training is to prepare before you leave for the training. And I didn't realize this until, uh, the second time that I went through the airline training at my second airline when I didn't prepare. So, Justin, so that we can be successful in our training, what do we need to do when we're preparing prior to leaving and at home? When you're, uh, when you're preparing at home, you know, what I find with a lot of people is they end up – they, they want to look at the technical stuff. You know, they want to look at, okay, do I need to download flashcards or, you know, limitations, things of that on the aircraft. They want to focus on the airplane, right? And what I try to stress with people is that's 
not necessarily quite as important because when you get to your airline, they're going to provide you with all the materials you need to learn. They're going to provide you with their manuals, their procedures, their actions, call outs, all these various things for the aircraft you're going to be flying. And heck, some airlines, if you're going, you may not even know what airplane you're going to end up on. You know, when if you're going to Delta or United or uh, somewhere like that, or um, you know, JetBlue, anything like that. They're all taking new aircraft. People are being dispersed different places, so you may not even know what airplane you're going to end up on. So where I'm where I'm going is when you prepare at home, it's really more about your family. And there is a there. I find it very important, and there is definitely a distinct difference. And you can tell when someone has prepared their family at home, and when they haven't. And that involves just talking with your spouse about the time commitment uh, that you're going to have while you're in training, the number of hours you're going to want to be studying each day, and all the different things that you're going to be doing. Um, while you're there. And then the stress that that is going to also put on you while you're there. And I tell people that are coming in, I said, you know, set up a time with your spouse or significant other or uh, family, friends, whoever it is, set up a time of day when you can talk to them on the phone and really commit that time to them so that when you're not on the phone, you can commit that time to studying and doing those things, but kind of carve out time for that. You know, um, it can, you know, and then on top of that, let them know how much you're going to actually be able to come home. You know, going home can be a huge distraction. And sometimes I cringe a little bit when I hear new hires come in and they're like, yeah, you know, I came in and I'm just going to, you know, we got this day and a half off. I'm going to try to shoot back home. Uh, you know, because I left this at home or I need to get this ready or whatever. And inevitably, they always come back flustered because they haven't had a chance to study. They've detached from the training environment um, and things of that nature. And then also talk. If you have kids, talk with them, explain to them about being away from home. But you'll talk to them each day and all of that kind of stuff. So um, as far as your family, that's what I find works really well. Uh, as far as yourself goes, mentally prepare to be on the road. I know for myself, and uh, you probably you may have done this as well, Carl. When I when I'm going on a training event where I'm going to be gone for a period of time, I will actually take the time to sit down a few days before and start just mentally preparing about being away from home for you know several weeks at a time and get myself kind of engaged. And then uh, once you've done that. Make sure your travel arrangements are set up. <laughs> There's not so many times I've seen guys, you know, a close commute or trying to get in on that last flight or whatever. And there's nothing worse than showing up and being anxious and feeling like you're behind. You know, it's interesting what you said about mentally preparing. I've always found the toughest part is, you know, making sure the family's set up. And one of the things that I also, and this may sound horrible, but I try to tell my family, hey, listen, don't get sick, you know, and try not, you know, believe me, this is going to be one of the tougher things out there. Uh, if you've ever seen people go to basic training, that's what it's like. I mean, you're, you're in there, you're locked in, you're, it's an intense environment, you're constantly studying, you're constantly going through training. Uh, but then once that's done and you tell people this is what I need to do, you also go back and, and say, okay, I need time to get ready for this. And I think that's what you're saying, the mentally preparing. I'll do that 
a few days or actually a, sometimes a few weeks prior. Um, I'm doing that right now. Like I have to go through my training in another two weeks and I'm doing something new. Uh, but I'm also studying all the different things that I need to study before I get there. But I'm in my mind, I already, by, by doing that mentally preparing, I'm also chair flying the training. I know that sounds weird, but what I'll do is I'll know that I'm coming in this day and I can expect this and I expect that and expect the next thing. And I'm going to go through the, you know, FTDs and then I'm going to go into the simulator and then I'm going to do a loft training. Then I'm going to the extended envelope training. So I already know in my mind what to expect next, which actually helps quite a bit. That's if you have the schedule from that airline. I think that's a, that's a really, really good idea. Also, they, the other thing that I do is study. I mean, I really, uh, gosh, I can't stress that enough. If someone sends you all this information, like the, and like you said, people focus on the technical side, but make sure you know the memory items and call outs and, and all that stuff and have that down cold. The rest of the stuff, I think, is what you're talking about is people start getting distracted by all these huge manuals and they start digging into it. It's like, no, 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 slow down. Just, just, just concentrate on things you really need to know before you get there. So, but mentally preparing, it's, it's not easy, man. You gotta, you've got to realize that. And I, I, sometimes it makes me cringe when I hear people say, Oh, the airline training is easy. It's like, you know, if you listen to those people really talk, you find out they were doing a lot of preparing beforehand. So let's, let's be fair to everybody and try not to use those terms that it was easy. Uh, let's, let's say, Hey, listen, it's, Tell like it is. Uh, unless you've gone through tr- recurrent training 20 times or so, yeah, it does get easier because you've seen it all the time. Um, but you always are learning something new. So so make sure you do prepare yourself. So good good points, uh, Justin. Um, now, as far as now we're, we're ready to go. Uh, we're at home, and we have our travel arrangements made. And I love the fact that you mentioned that because sometimes things get really screwed up on the travel arrangements. Not just the travel arrangements getting there, but also with getting from the airport to the training center. Sometimes that's a bit of a challenge. So give yourself enough time so you're not stressed out. Always get there early. You don't want to stress yourself out. But now I've arrived. Okay, I've briefed my family. I'm ready mentally. Now what do I do once I get to the training center? Yeah, once you so you've prepared, you've done all that as you mentioned. Uh, now you're arriving, right? So you're going to come into this facility. Most most of the majors, especially, they have large training facilities. Uh, you know, I know I've been through the one in Memphis with FedEx, and the one in Dallas with Southwest, and uh, there's a large training facilities classrooms all over the place they make it fairly easy um you know they'll have signage and things of that nature for you but you know when you get there you know at least find the the cafeteria and where you're going to eat and things like that maybe where your your first day of class is going to be whether that's orientation or what that is um and then usually on your first day you're going to meet your sim partner and your classmates and once you meet your sim partner usually in my experience, you are assigned a sim partner the first or second day, somewhere in there. Uh, you'll find as soon as you sit down in class, everybody's going to start kind of gauging everybody and figuring out whose background is what. Um, but once you're assigned your sim partner, if they let them pick, if they let you pick, um, or they pick them for you, get to know that person. Um, understand that you know that person is going to be a big part of your life for the next six, seven, eight weeks, whatever it is. And you want to get to know that person. And some people don't realize how much that person's success can infiltrate and determine your success. 
Not always. If that person is struggling, that doesn't mean you have to struggle. But if they're succeeding, it makes it easier for you to succeed because you're in the cockpit. It's CRM. It's what we talked about, right? Uh, What we talk about in this industry all the time. And so having that rapport with that person, that understanding, understand where they came from, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, things of that nature. And then you study together and you build a rapport. I know the first airline training I went to, um, I had an outstanding sim partner, uh, just outstanding sim partner. And he did a great job. We worked together. He was always available for me. I was always available for him. And we really held each other accountable. We did a great job. And we got through there together and we did a great job doing it. And then I moved on to another airline and I had a sim partner who was a little bit quieter, kind of stayed in his room, wasn't, we didn't get to work together as much. And it was evident in the sim. We just, that we weren't studying together. We weren't on the same page with some of the small things. So, you know, really get to know that person, understand that. And then how to study how to study is simply learning how to study. Do you need to study with a group, with just your sim partner? How do you work? Some people, I know myself, I enjoy studying with a group of people. Um, and when I say a group, three or four, if you get bigger than that, it just turns into a party. But, uh, you know, three or four people, something along those lines seems to work well for me. I enjoy that. Some people like the one-on-one, but figure out how you like to study and then where you're going to study, whether that's going to be in a study room, you like to go to Starbucks, whatever that is. And then last but not least, what to study. And this was somewhat what Carl touched on uh, before and I touched on is learning what to study. And Carl's absolutely right. You need to know the actions, the call outs, the flows, all of those things cold. Don't get lost in the manuals. The manuals are going to overwhelm you because you're going to get all these manuals. They're all two or 300 pages long or more. And you're going to be looking at this and they're, they're going to say to you, okay, this is everything you're going to need to know. And you're going to look at that and go, are you kidding me? Uh, bite it off in chunks. Find out what the most important stuff is. Usually that's going to be your actions, your call outs, your flows, things like that. Talk to the instructors, get their opinion on what you need to do. And a lot of times it's important to do that because you're going to be showing up fresh. If you can study before, find something, a credible source to get material from, that's great. Uh, But as I mentioned, when you show up, a lot of these, especially the majors, if you're going from a regional to a major, they're going to have class slots. I know a friend of mine at FedEx said their class drops right now are seven different airplanes. Well, how do you study before you go? You know, you have your huge day, your first day at FedEx. Don't feel unprepared because nobody else is because nobody knows what airplane they're going to end up in. So uh, it's important to know what to study as well. That's a great point because, um, there, like you said, there's some airlines you know what you're getting because they only have one airplane and they'll send you the material. And, but for the most part, you don't know. You don't know what you're going to get. But, uh, but, yeah, the little things as far as studying prior, that's great. But when you get there, it's concentrating on things you really need to know. A lot of times it seems like um, 
at the airlines I've been to that the first, you know, week or so they really stress the memory items and call outs and flows. And one of the things I, I wanted to mention that's kind of fun is the fact that you get these big posters of the cockpit and the pedestals and all, and you're sitting there and you set it up in your room. One of the things I love to do is go to people's, uh, you know, hotel rooms and see how they set it up. Some people are very creative. I wasn't very creative. I just put it down on the table and did my flows. But some people actually like almost make like a mock cockpit, you know, when they're in their room and they can actually go in there and do all their flows and call outs. But really cool posters though. If nothing else, you can take that home with you and put it on the wall, I guess, if you're that much of an aviation geek like me. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I've seen guys create, I mean, they'll use chairs. They've got the side armrests. I mean, it's yeah, it's pretty wild what they do, but it's great. I think one of the most, I'm glad you touched on that, Carl, because I think one of the most undervalued things sometimes um, that I see is chair flying. People, for some reason, I'm not saying, but there's this hesitation or this, that maybe they don't want to do it. However, people that have done it before, those are usually the ones you see with the mock cockpit in their room because they understand the value of it. Chair flying is huge. If you chair fly, I think you will see a significant difference in your training and your understanding. And to add to that point, if you've ever been to an air show and gone before during the training and them setting up, and you've watched the aerobatic pilots, and we're talking the top of the top, they are chair flying. They're doing the flying in their head, and you'll see them moving around, making maneuvers, and they're going through the whole procedure in their head. And I know we sometimes feel embarrassed by that, uh, by us doing that. It's like, it's like dancing in a room by yourself, you know, and, uh, but, but that's why they're so successful. They're not afraid to do that. They're not afraid to look silly in front of other people. And, uh, they're usually the ones that are at the top of the game. So really good idea to chair fly, even, you know, at home, wherever you are. And we talk about that in our training, you know, it's like one way to save you a lot of money, uh, during your training is do a lot of chair flying because it's free. You know, you're sitting in front of a piece of paper uh, or a picture on a computer, and you can actually chair fly to get yourself together and ready. So, um, yeah, one of the things that I think you touched on with the sim partner, I've had a lot of different sim partners, is you're right. I mean, the sim partner does affect you quite a bit, and there are times that you may have a challenge so much so that you need to talk to management and say, hey, I can't work with this person. Not that that happens that often, but occasionally it will happen, and you really need to speak up because that sim partner can kind of hold you back sometimes if there's somebody who's not interested uh, in the training. And that does happen every so often. It is rare, but you just see people that are just, just not engaged, and uh, sometimes they don't wind up staying there, and that's why. Uh, but uh, but to be fair to yourself, you have to make sure that that person is engaged with you. And also the studying, how to study. I'm one of those people that likes to study on my own and then get together with people and see what I missed, and then that's it. My, I like the discussions that are very small and short because I've noticed, like you said, when there's 30 people in a room talking about stuff, it's like it really devolves into a big either a party or you know talking about what airplane the airline's going to get next, that type of thing. <laughs> well, and you, or you end up dissecting some oh, minutia yeah. of a system that you really don't need to – you know, be spending that much time on. Yeah, I agree with you. I tried to, I like the one-on-one. I like getting with my sim partner, being able to sit down, chair fly, go through the next day's lesson. But I'm big on chair flying um, and being able to talk because I feel like it's, I I feel like I absorb my actions and my call-outs better when I have somebody 
on the other side and you switch, you know what I'm saying? You switch seats. Right. So I get to do both, but I'm not talking to myself and answering myself. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where I like it. But the big group training, yeah, I've seen that. That usually digresses fairly quickly. <laughs> and they like to say, you know, try not to go all the way down to the drain at the bottom of the pool. And that's what it, you know, digresses into. When you're training, you kind of want to tread water, get the information that's at the top, but you don't have to go really deep into the information. And that's, you're right, that happens a lot. Uh, and it, it's quite, uh, it's quite difficult, too, to kind of keep focused when you're diving that deep into the pool. So. You know, we've uh, talked about preparing and, and getting there and, and studying and everything, but uh, now, okay, we've, we're there, and we've done the studying and stuff like that, and we think we're successful. Now now what do we do? How, you know, now that we're actually, we're, we're in the whole process of training. Now what's next, uh, Justin? Well, yep, so once you arrive, you've got your sim partner, you've kind of studied, got everything down, you know, what to study. And now really it's just getting into the swing of things and getting into a rhythm, setting a schedule. I emphasize that is setting a schedule and you're going to have generally training is very front loaded. And what I mean by that is you're going to have all your systems and the tougher stuff in the beginning. It's also tougher because you're just learning the airplane. So you're going to be trying to pile on in all that information. And as you go, it's going to get easier. So understand that. And so in the beginning, set a schedule. No, I'm going to get up in the morning, 8 o'clock. I'm going to go down. I'm going to get breakfast. Uh, This is what I'm going to do. Am I going to hit the gym at that point? Maybe, maybe not. Um, maybe I go study for two hours is usually what I do. I'll get up, I'll get breakfast. I'll put in about a couple hours of studying and then kind of wake myself up and detach a little bit. I'll go to the gym, get some exercise, relax a little bit, and then get in some more hours in the evening or class or whatever that may be. Because once you get done with class, uh, the, the initial class portion, which a lot of airlines are going away from because we have this new thing called AQP not really new now. I shouldn't say that's been around for years now, but most of the majors and a lot of the regionals now are doing AQP, which really eliminates a lot of the stereotypical eight to five class time. And you're more in FTDs, which are flight flight training uh, devices or in the full uh, flight sims. And you're spending more time in there developing what you're learning and you're actually, they're focusing more on you do the learning and studying on your own. And then we come into the FTDs and the Sims and we refine it and make sure it's all there. So uh, you should have some flexibility with your time, but make sure you're scheduling it so that you don't get up in the morning, kind of lounge around. And I've seen guys, you know, it'll be five in the afternoon and they're like, oh, I haven't even studied yet. I need to get my studying done. Well, then they end up up until midnight or one in the morning trying to study. And it's a snowball effect. And you find in four or five days, you know, you're behind on your sleep. You're trying to catch studying at the end of the night. Whereas if you just set that schedule from day one, kind of have an idea of what you're going to do, the airline should give you that schedule. You should know this is what my schedule looks like for the next two weeks, three weeks. Some of them give it to you for the entire time. They'll give it to you for the four or five weeks out. And so you know, okay, this is what's expected me at the various stages of training. But uh, setting that schedule, sticking to it, uh, can be very 
Um, it can be a big stress reliever and it can make sure you utilize your time that you have properly. So one of the things I think you can do too is, uh, that's part of that mentally preparing before you leave. Uh, you had mentioned that they possibly have you all set up before you get there is kind of go through in your mind what you're going to do, where you're going to be, you know, how are you going to get ready? And, uh, you know, I just did that with my training I'm coming up with is that I looked at my schedule, printed it out and said, okay, I'm in the sim from this time to this time. I know I can go get dinner at this time, but I'm going to have to be ready and bring something with me for breakfast because I'm starting at three in the morning or something like that. You know, those are the kind of things that you can do beforehand. But once you get in that schedule, like you said, setting yourself a schedule is really important, especially for studying. I think, uh, there's not the majority don't do this, but every so often you see people, like you said, lounging around, hanging out, and and then all of a sudden they're like, oh my god, I gotta I gotta study for this, I gotta test, and kind of goes back to your high school days, you're cramming for those exams, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You end up, and it's not it's not the majority, but it's also it helps your sim partner too, because if you have somebody that maybe doesn't have a schedule, you know, and they kind of follow your schedule, and then it makes you less stressed because you know they're studying. I mean, it's 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 really a like you said, Carl. It's a group dynamic. I mean, you're in this facility, kind of like basic training with a group of people that are all going after the same goal. And if you kind of fall into that and work together, it's a, in my experience, it, it works out a lot better. So it works out really well. Interestingly, on in training, and this is kind of sums it up, is, you know, in preparing, you find out that another thing you need to do is be ready for illnesses, like bring the medicines you need, that type of thing. A lot of people get sick on their initial training. I know in recurrent, it's not as bad because you're more relaxed. Part of that is you're stressed out and you're actually, you're just, everything is, you know, your body's reduced in, in its ability to fight away infections, et cetera. And uh, you wind up getting more colds. And also you're not working at a normal schedule. So sometimes you get sick in that manner. I know you've probably seen this a few times, but I'm kind of curious. Have you seen much of a difference? Like, in, do you see a lot of people getting sick during the new hire training? No, uh, not really, to be honest. I, I don't see a ton of people getting sick. They'll get worn down. Uh, occasionally, you'll see it. Usually, what I've seen a couple of times, actually, is the bigger, you know, I'll talk to students as they're coming through doing their training, is somebody will get sick, and they'll actually get sick, you know, not just a little sniffle or cold or something, but they'll get sick. And they're terrified to go home or tell management or whatever it is. Um, you know, they're, they're, I shouldn't say terrified, but apprehensive about bringing it up, right, with those people. And so they'll just continue on. And before you know it, the whole class is sick. And then everybody is like, you know, they end up with four or five people or their sim partner, and then they feel horrible. So if you do feel like you're getting sick, you know, or it's going to be an actual illness that's going to take you out for two or three days, let them know, let, you know, let the instructors know, you know, because they would much rather one person get sick than four or five. <laughs> yeah, I'd appreciate that if the person stays at home. It's just like when you're flying, you know, someone comes into work sick because they don't want to call and sick and use their sick time and then they get everybody else sick. And so that it's interesting that I really, I know what you're saying, it, it can get really stressed out. And I found that by doing all the things that you said, 
preparing at home and making sure once you arrive, you stick to a schedule, you know what to study, you figure out how to study for the different things and the things that work for you. And I think those things actually were drawn a lot of stress away from me and have made my training much more successful by implementing all these little tools that we've talked about here. But before we kind of close up here, what is there anything in general you might say to somebody who's coming into training and saying, hey, listen, you know, this is what you need to do to be successful in your training? Somebody coming in, uh, you know, if I had to sum it up, is simply prepare, mentally prepare. Uh, usually some of the larger hurdles I've experienced or seen um, in my experience is not preparing at home before they leave an expectation that they're going to come home every weekend or something like that. And then when they can't, there's that let down at home. And I've always followed the mantra of, you know, and my wife understands, I say, I will come home when I can, but I'm not going to give you an exact time or place because I don't know how, what my schedule is yet. I don't know how this is going to play out because when you tell them you can't come home and they were expecting you, that places a, a stress on yourself. It places that stress at home. So just prepare before you come in, prepare at home, have an understanding what you're going into. And then when you get there, try to set a schedule, figure out what you need to study, get to know your sim partner, do those little things that you can control so that it doesn't feel quite as overwhelming because you're going to hear people running around. You're going to hear instructors. Everybody, oh, get ready. It's like drinking from a fire hose and all these different things. And it is. But if you break it down, you prepare, you have a schedule, you and your sim partner set up an idea and a, uh, even a philosophy of how you want to approach this. It takes a lot of that away. Um Remember, you're not expected to know it all overnight. You're going to be there. Most training, um, uh, initial hire training sessions are about, or footprints, I should say, are about six to eight weeks. And so it's not an overnight thing. Don't think on day four, you've got to know all the systems. That's not how it works. So take what you can control, bite it off, and make sure your family understands what the expectations are going to be on you while you're there and when you're going to be available to them. Well, Justin Ash, some great information here. We appreciate your giving all this information to us. As a matter of fact, he wrote some show notes down. And if you've been listening to us, he, uh, he gave us those notes. So make sure you check out the show notes, uh, episode 191, and print that out and use that. Use it kind of like a checklist and, and keep it with you. See, hey, am I doing this? Uh, and also, don't forget we have other items on in the show notes too and different links, et cetera. And if you have questions, I'm sure there's going to be some that come up. Feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Send us your emails, uh, and either I or Justin will answer those questions. If you have a question for even other people that have been on the show in the past, send it to feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. If they can't come back on the show, then we will actually have them write us an answer, and I'll read it to you on, on the show here. And, of course, keep those questions coming. We really enjoy them. I love them because it helps other people. And if you have a question, make sure you ask it because there's someone else out there that probably has that same question. I don't mind repeating over and over and yes if you're somebody who's interested in other aviation careers send that into us and like i said we're going to be out there more and talking to more people on the road and that's kind of something we've 
actually made a commitment to here in the future. And also, at the bottom of this podcast, don't forget, we have uh, links that are mentioned in this. Uh, I do have a video down there, and most of the podcasts we've been putting videos down there, YouTube videos that have been some of our favorites. This one that I put in there is Stuck Mike Avcast in Lakeland, Florida. It's just, uh, it's actually cool. You should check it out. It's uh, just a quick video, like two minutes, and it shows you where I am, and I'm out there on the Lakeland campus, and of course, you get to hear a little bit of airplane noise. Who doesn't want to hear that? And Justin, hey, thanks a lot for being here, and, and we can't wait to have you back on again. Thank you for having me, Carl. I hope everybody enjoyed it, finds um, the information useful, and good luck. If you're listening and you've got an initial training coming up, best of luck. And I know, as Carl said, myself, him, anybody else, we're happy to answer questions. So good luck, and uh, I know you'll do fine. And thanks again for having me. Well, folks, one thing I want you to do is to think about this preparing for your training. And this actually works in many different uh, training environments. Say you're going away to one of these schools where you're actually going to be in an intense training environment, getting all your ratings, because this will help you too. So print this out. If you're you know, just getting started, you don't have your private yet, but you're going to a school where you're going to get all your ratings in six months, this will help you also. So definitely check that out. And also, think about what you're going to do next in your career. If you're not going to an airline, you're going somewhere else, and just in general in life, one of the things that I think is really important in general in life when we're trying to grow is to always grow forward by taking one small step to move forward in everything in your life, in your career, in your life. So do that today. Think about what that might be. It might be something as simple as reading a book, listening to a podcast, just going out for a walk and clearing your mind and chair flying your life, not just flying, but trying to figure out where you're going in life, envisioning what's going to happen next. Do that for me today. Do it now. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.